Magnitude. <laughs> pop, that's, pop. That's a, that's a different one. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Every time that dude shows up on Community, I am just filled with glee. I can't get enough. I want a Magnitude spinoff already, and it's only the second season. <laughs> this, you wait till the end of that season. Because, <laughs> because the, the way that that character is done is excellent. <laughs> what a fun uh, role to play, you know, like. As an actor, yeah. you 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 wish for those roles, you know. I mean, they're where they're so where you have such a, a presence and it's so affecting, but you hardly do anything, you know. <laughs> I was thinking about this, uh, Jeremy. I wanted to yeah. ask you actually uh, if you were offered a role in like a commercial for a, a a big corporation, and it ended up just like hitting really hard. And they wanted to turn you into like a regular character in their commercials. What, how would, how would you go about the thought process of that? Like, how would you feel about it? Because I imagine it's not an easy answer. Yeah. Um, you know, when you think about the trajectory of your career and all that, I mean, there's just some people that will not put you in stuff. If you're like a spokesman for, a company or whatever, because everyone associates you Mm -hmm. you with that. And it's hard to disassociate, especially, you know, industry people. It's hard to disassociate. And those are the people that, that give the jobs. I mean, I feel like I would do it. And then I feel like I would use all that money to make my own stuff. That's exactly what I would do. (laughs) That's probably a a good way to to put it. Actually, Yeah. It's interesting because I just not drew lines because we started talking about, first of all, I'm talking about what I first thought about. We kept saying roll so much. And I was like, man, I love butter on rolls. Um, but <laughs> I was thinking about, <laughs> I was thinking about Dave and when he went viral with somebody suck me and I was like, see going viral independently on an indie situation, I think is lesser of a problem than like being Pepsi spokesperson or like, I'm yeah. just, I, the <laughs> person like that comes to my mind is like the lady that does the progressive commercials. Flow. Right. Like she can't do anything like else. I, yeah, I know Stephanie her. Courtney. Yeah. You, so you know that person's name. Have you met her? Uh, yeah, I have met her actually. She's a, a Groundling alum. And I went to this uh, event that Groundlings held in conjunction with SAG about SAG commercials. Um, and it was a panel discussion of like all these ground groundlings alumni and it was her. And then also Jamie from progressive. He's, he's also no, a nice. groundling. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we got to ask him questions and stuff and got to hear their perspective on everything. It was cool. I mean, uh, on the one hand, I can imagine that if you, if you, if it's a big enough company and you know, they keep you on long enough, it, that's a whole career in and of itself, you know? Yeah. Like they probably well, have it. earned enough money. To, to live comfortably, you know, for the rest of their lives. It may not be Absolutely. like a, a generational wealth situation like you might if you're an A-list or whatever. But, um, you know, that's like, it's nothing to sneeze at, really. No. But it does well, yeah. hamper your creative opportunities in other ways. And that, that doesn't surprise me that you say that. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, would, I would expect that. No one wants to put... I, it's, it's funny. I was, I was watching... Uh, I rewatched Once, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and... Uh, you know, that's like a central theme of that whole movie with, with Rick Dalton's character. Yeah. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. the identity thing. And the the scene where he's he he's in the, the the trailer, the dressing room trailer, and the director comes in and he's like, you know, well, if I got all this junk on me, how are they gonna know 
that it's Rick Dalton. And he's like, well, I don't want him to know that it's Rick Dalton. I want him to know the character. And that mm-hmm. seems like a, not an ordinary thing, you know, that they're going to, in that moment, I think it showed that they were willing to overlook like the, his typecast situation and let him have some freedom. So I don't know if that would work. Like if you, you know, I guess someone like Terry Crews was able to get out of that, but you know, I, I yeah. don't know that. I don't think it's the norm. It doesn't seem like at least. Yeah. The cool thing about flow uh, on the progressive commercials is that she actually has, uh, from what I understand, she actually has a pretty heavy hand in the writing too. And, you know, Groundlings is all about characters, you know, mm-hmm. like real yeah. characters in the real world and how they act and behave and respond and think and all that. And she gets to do characters on that show. I mean, I remember one where uh, she got to play both her parents, you know, the Sunday sing-along one. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, she she definitely gets to kind of stretch her comedic wings doing that, which I think is maybe a, a more superior job to someone that just, you know, talks to the camera the whole time. Sure. You know. Yeah. Cause I, like, I, what, go ahead. In my head, I was like, I mean, if, if you want to continue being a working actor, I guess you are, if you're with this one company for 10 years, but you, you just now saying that about having a hand in writing and getting to do kind of other things within that is a, almost kind of the best of both worlds. I would think if you enjoy that gig. Yeah. You can look at those progressive commercials as like little, sh- little short films. They are, they're, they're tiny yeah. little skits. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And I, now that I'm thinking about it, they, I mean, that is one of the more adventurous is not the correct word because commercials have taken that to the extreme. <laughs> I remember the Mountain Dew commercials when like Russell Westbrook was in them like five years ago yeah. <laughs> that were all like insanely off the wall for like, I don't know who got those kicks, but they just got to do literally whatever they wanted. Clearly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was awesome. Have you guys seen Russell's Hennessy commercial that's running right yes. now? Yep. Yeah. I it's, have seen it's it. really dope. It's it really, really cool. surprised me actually. Cause it, well, it's just like, uh, I don't know. That's, it's kind of the, the new trope ever since, uh, uh, 2020 basically where the, the, the brands have now had to go like into sixth gear with their identity, you know? And so that's one of those commercials where you don't even really know what he's, what is happening until the very end of the commercial. <laughs> and it's like this whole yeah, thing. And yeah. then it's like Hennessy, like, Oh, <laughs> you could have, you could have made this commercial and told me it was for Coca-Cola and it would be the exact same commercial. Like it doesn't matter what the product is. It's just a, they they made a thing, and they just threw their name on it at the end. I wonder if Russ actually like, drinks Hennessy. I get the I get the the feeling that Russell does not drink alcohol. Really, I would. Uh, I, I feel that, like he'll. I, he'll it, I feel. I feel like he's a wine person. I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna I go. Feel like maybe maybe yeah. yeah. Wine. Wine seems. But like a very. Yeah. For some reason, I just think Russ is probably a really lightweight uh, drinker. I don't know why. That it's just a uh, my gut feeling. I I can't really no body place fat. It. Yeah, well, I mean, he's, <laughs> he's got also three like kids now. He's also, yeah, he's also completely <laughs> and always has been completely dedicated to basketball. So, I mean, for a guy that is up at the gym, you know, at five every single day, I can't imagine that drinking is uh, a super regular part of his life. Yeah. You know, I'm just saying, I don't know a lot of people that like Taylor Swift as much as him that don't also enjoy wine. That's a fair, I'm not that's, saying that's, that's that's a fair point. Yeah. <laughs> that's I'm not directly related. Yeah. I just cause a causation or a correlation is not causation, but I mean, it's there. <laughs> I'm sure him and Mello 
shared a bottle of wine at some point when they played on the same team. Maybe. I mean, there's, really there's, there's wine, definitely, you know? yeah, there's definitely lots of guys in the league that are, uh, that are into it in a more uh, public way, but I guess it's kind of a situation like it, is it because it's Russell that it's not public or is it because he doesn't do it that it's not public? You know, I think it's cause it's Russell. Yeah. Either way, him and Nina have a, have date night and they have a, a bottle of red, like when they're in fashion week in Paris or whatever. Who are these fans? basketball players, babysitters? It's gotta be family, right? Like, how are you trusting your children with anyone that's not family? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, it, th- th- I, <laughs> You know, I, I, I can imagine people like hiring, uh, like full-time. Li- I mean, these guys have, you know, like nannies. you, you can, yeah, you like can have nannies. a whole staff that you pay full-time that basically just lives your life with you to do the things you don't really want to do or don't have time to do because you're doing other things. So I, but again, for whatever reason, I think Russell's probably not one of those kinds of people. Like I, yeah. I imagine that he, yeah, he would want to like have a very, in. like he wouldn't want anyone else taking care of his kids. He would just be like, I'm not going to go do that thing. I have a family. Mm-hmm. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where do you think, uh, like during the season this past year when he was playing in Washington, where do you think Nina and the kids lived? Do you think he moved them out to Washington or maybe LA? I don't know. I never, I, know that I never NBA heard about players it. Appro- approach that in different ways, you know? I don't yeah. even know if like they ever officially moved to Houston. I, I don't even know. I don't, I, I'm pretty sure they never did that. I know. Th- I remember reading uh, maybe like a, like a month and a half after the trade happened that someone saw him just in a grocery store in Oklahoma City. So like he was still living in Oklahoma City even after he was traded. But I don't know if that was a permanent thing, you know? And yeah. it, it's also like yeah. the whole world has... Uh, completely changed since uh he was traded in a very yeah, short amount true. of time so i don't know they may yeah. still live in oklahoma city my i mean I, that wouldn't surprise me at I least mean, Nina, yeah yeah i think still has her the store kids. there doesn't she yeah i just drove like past galardia the other day and i was like oh i wonder who's in kendrick perkins house now <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that that house better have huge doorways that's all i gotta say if kendrick perkins was able to live there Cause he's fat. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, the NBA finals are upon us and, and we'll, we'll get to the teams. Eventually we'll get to the teams that uh, were eliminated recently, eventually. And I've got some fun comparisons that we could draw upon those teams going into the next season. But first I had a, qu- just kind of a blanket question for you guys, Eddie, you may know what I'm going to ask. This I know year's playoffs ask. versus other years' playoffs, has it been more unpredictable than past years? Yeah. I was wrong in guessing what you were going to ask. Absolutely. I mean, here, I think, I think so too. Well, the, I mean, the, the, the numbers bear it out. The fact that this is the first finals that will feature no previous championship winning players in like 50 years says it all. Wow. That's crazy. And that was that was set in stone as soon as the Clippers were bounced. Because I think the only I mean it was Kawhi and uh I guess technically Boogie and Rondo on that team that had rings. And the, no one else has I mean the, I think barely anyone else in the in the finals has been to the finals. It may just literally just be Jay Crowder. Maybe the only other guy that's ever even been to the finals. <laughs> oh yeah. Point. 
Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, yeah, with Miami just last, last year. year. Just last year, yeah. 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 I mean, did, you, you saw that thing about the Shaq uh, uh, streak came to an end finally. Yeah, yeah. 37 consecutive Shaq, years yeah. where uh, a, the championship winner has had a teammate that was a teammate with Shaq at one point. And now that's mm. no longer the case. Rondo was the last mm. one available. Pretty crazy that that streak ended too. For me, I think the best thing that could have happened to the NBA as far as the playoffs are concerned is the bubble last time. I just think that the level of, I don't know, the playoffs always feel heightened, but I feel like they were teams locked in that just weren't as locked in as they had been before. And I think that every team that got to participate in the bubble just found it. They just found the gear, the seventh gear, if you will, of what it takes to be doing things well, but also still just the weirdness of scheduling and the way that the season's gone. I just the amount of injuries and random players here and not there. And then the, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a lot of a lot happening at the same time, which is very interesting and extremely entertaining for me. I think I find it. I was going to, uh, talk a lot about if it was going to be Phoenix and Atlanta in the final, how Phoenix went eight and no in the bubble. didn't keep going in the playoffs and Atlanta didn't even show up in the bubble. And now both these teams are in the finals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was going yeah. to be excellent. And honestly, more of the type of basketball that I, as a basketball fan, want to be seeing. I want to see these crazy stories of com- like young players just actually doing it. And part of it is just the soft spot I had for that early Thunder team that had their opportunities. Yeah. So it's good. To, it's good to see it happening with the younger teams of the league right now. And it makes you excited for the future. Like I am already getting excited for next season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> Definitely. And, 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 and like pretty much no matter what happens in the finals, it's going to feel completely wide open next year. Yeah. Again, like exactly. maybe even more so than it, than it has in, in years. You know, there, there will be, I don't even, I don't care if either of these teams sweep in the finals right now, it there will not be a clear cut favorite at the beginning of next season. I really don't think so. Unless yeah. a huge hit move happens in free agency, which to be quite fair is actually probably kind of likely to happen. So maybe, yeah, I'm, maybe I'm wrong. We'll, we'll revisit this, but I mean, I still got my eyes on them warriors. Yeah, I mean, yeah, gosh, <laughs> the fact that they, yep. yeah, they, uh, well, <laughs> they've got any, any number of routes to immediately become the favorite again, and it's obnoxious. Exactly. Yeah, I don't even get to, I, I'm not even going to get a chance to watch Clay play and enjoy that he's back playing. I have to immediately hate him again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'll enjoy the first couple games I see him play in because I'm missing him play too. I here's the, I'm going to tell you guys this now today on the independence day on the same day, five years ago that ruined all of our lives. Uh, if the thunder are doing another, not trying to win season, I am definitely rooting for the warriors only because Hey, they went ahead and had the years that was tough and they had them after Kevin when I tried to like them again. And mm-hmm. I just, I like clay that much. That's how much I like clay. <laughs> yeah. Wow. How, how it, things have come full circle, you know, like right. I imagine one of us saying that, you know, even just four years ago and uh, well, especially four years ago, but even just like, you know, two years ago after Kevin left and they had that abysmal mm-hmm. season, like, man, mm-hmm. <laughs> how 
perspective can change things, you know, as you watch players kind of navigate their career. Yeah. I, I do think that what I, we should I go think... ahead and do is go ahead and put Beverly on the Brooklyn Nets. Um, and then it makes it much easier for me to hate them as much as I feel like I should. <laughs> Let's put Beverly on a team that is not in the NBA. Let's put Beverly <laughs> in no, like no. the Euro League. That, that's what I would like. No, like Pat- Sinton, Patrick Sinton. Beverly. No, 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 no. That's Patrick, not good for the Euro Patrick League. Beverly be good. does not deserve to play professional basketball. He should not be a Preach. professional basketball player. He shouldn't. It's just, he's, he's just, I agree. He's just, what, he's never going to get one because that's not how the universe works. You don't get to be him and be I, successful in that way. I think that he is bad for the game of basketball. I'm a hundred percent with is. you, Eddie. I think it's ridiculous that teams keep on giving him money when he literally tries to hurt players on a game by game basis, especially in the playoffs. I, I think the dude does not deserve to be a professional athlete. If he chooses to play that way, which obviously he does because he's played that way his entire career, because that's, that's the only way he has value guys. <laughs> I mean, that's, mm. that's all he can do is, is like getting faces and annoy people and try to trip people and hit people and headbutt people and, I mean, that, that's I all he could do. That's all he's valuable for. And I'm looking at how much money that dude makes even next season with the Clippers. And it's infuriating. He doesn't deserve that much money. He doesn't deserve any of it. My only hope can be that the young guys that kind of have a little bit of the same fra- fabric in them go more the Tony Allen route than the <laughs> Patrick Beverly route. Because like those yeah. kids like Dylan, Dylan Brooks and them. Where like mm-hmm. an absolute pest, but I know that he can ball, and I j- I would rather respectfully dislike him because he's good. And yeah, that's actually a great a comparison. Into- <laughs> yeah, I mean, we used to uh, we used to hate Tony Allen during all yeah. those battles with the Thunder, but you know what? He never tried to hurt one of our players. Like I don't <laughs> yep. remember that ever happening. He would just lock Kevin Durant down, and we used to hate him because of that. Patrick Beverly <laughs> yep. doesn't lock players down. He he's a cheap shotter. He's he, he, it's weak, to be honest with you. It's weak. The way that that dude plays basketball is just weak. Well, he showed his hand. He showed his hand and his whole ass when he pushed Chris Paul at the end of the game. Yep. I mean, that was it mm-hmm. right there. You lost. And that's why Chris was laying mm-hmm. on the ground laughing. Like, yeah, you lost. Not not your team. Mm-hmm. We didn't we didn't just win the basketball game. You, Patrick <laughs> you Beverly, lost. Yeah. You you just lost. He's yeah. he's a he's a chump, man. I yeah, we've talked about it a lot, but like this, th- this is not sports hatred for me. Like I genuinely hate <laughs> this, this is real man. adult hate. Real adult <laughs> hate. I genuinely the name of the episode. Hate this person. I don't, and you know, like I've seen people who you know try to play devil's advocate and be like, well, he does this and this for the community, and he gives out and all of this stuff, and I'm like, you know, that doesn't absolve you of being a dick like it just doesn't i'm sorry yeah. it just doesn't yeah you have, it's like you have a very few redeeming qualities patrick beverly does he yes. help more than he hurts and the answer is no <laughs> yeah wow. you know i was really hoping going back to that dallas series you know that was so crazy where every single team won uh on the opponent's Rogue. floor except, yeah. except for game seven and i i just remember when I really wish the Mavs would have won that series for a lot of reasons, but here's one of the reasons because they, they put Beverly on Luka Doncic many times at the end of game, like, 
I don't know what it was, game two or something, one of the games that they lost. And he, he literally couldn't do anything on Luka Doncic. Like, Luka was trying to get the switch because Luka knew that, like, Patrick Beverly had no chance stopping him because he's not a lockdown defender, you know? I, and, and eventually, they had to just take Patrick Beverly out and they, you know, put Kawhi Leonard or Paul George on him or whatever because he wasn't doing the job. It's just like, that's what you're supposed to do, Patrick Beverly. That's what you're known for, right? Like, you're supposed to, quote-unquote, lock players down. You know, you're supposed to be a great one-on-one on-ball perimeter defender. And if you can't do that, you have no value in this league. None. So I really wish the Mavs would have won that. And that way, maybe, you know, his value would have gone way, way down. Because I'm not sure his value went down. I mean, there's still no. teams out there that are give him money, you know, including the, the Clippers next season. No, $14.3 million. That's what he's making next year. He, he will likely play until he's done playing. And that is just really unfortunate. Because I guarantee there are hundreds, if not thousands, of guys that are better qualified and more deserving of his roster spot in the NBA than he is. But because of his reputation and because, frankly, because of the way that the world works and the fact that we're having this conversation and that, that this conversation is is repeated and magnified and, and amplified you know, all over the internet because of the way the Patrick Beverly is means that the league wants him in there because th- people are going to talk about it. You know, it, it's, it's almost a situation yeah. like we should just not talk about him and maybe he <laughs> will go away, but I don't think yeah. that's the case at this point. I mean, you know, I'm also of the opinion individuals can't really do much to uh, cause systemic change, but that's a slightly more broad and different yeah. discussion. You well, know, it is good that he's not to, going to make a comparison. And I wanted to ask you guys, why, why hasn't someone like Dennis Schroeder gotten the same sort of recognition that Patrick Beverly has in terms of being the defensive guy? Because to my eyes, they do the exact same thing. They're scrappy. They're annoying. They get up under you and they occasionally make a good defensive play. Occasionally. And it's, it's mm. just often enough to make you think, okay, what they're doing is real. But when you, when, you know, we saw Schroeder play in Oklahoma city and we all could see it, you know, when you watch it every game, you see that he does all the things that makes it look like he's a good defender, but he's really not that good of a defender. And that's exactly what Patrick Beverly is. The only difference is that Schroeder is not dirty. He doesn't do yeah. the dirty things that, that Patrick Beverly does. So why hasn't the league taken notice and given the same sort of defensive recognition as Schroeder. And there are probably other guys like that too. I think you uh, just said it. It's because he hasn't hurt anyone. Um, <laughs> because yeah. honestly, to a probably a little bit lesser extent, I would kind of lump Russell in that situation too. Sure. Yeah. Because Russell on defense is just an opportunist. So he Russell lives in the passing lane. So yes. he will get a steal and a breakaway fast break off of bad defense. Russell is a safety. <laughs> Yeah. He's a safety. Yeah, he's exactly. not. He's not yeah. a tackle. Uh, or a, yeah. he's a ga- a gambler on defense, and of course, yeah. all in. <laughs> Russ, know, Russ, Russ has also in. never really been a guy that's like, I'm going to lock you down and hold you. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to let you get to where you want. I've never seen that happen. Russell's never ever done you that. Can't, you can't <laughs> get rebounds if you're guarding someone. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, if you're chasing him to the basket and trying to block yeah. the shot, you're someone else is going to get the board. So <laughs> yeah. like I don't, yeah. I you know I don't blame him for that because well we already we don't need to rehash uh, the last mm-hmm. ten years so 
<laughs> Going back to your question, Eddie, about Patrick Beverly and the recognition thing, like it may have something to do with, you know, every time Patrick Beverly swats at the ball and it goes out of bounds on him, he yells and screams like he's the best defensive player that has ever played any sport that has defense, you know, and like, you know, flexing and, you know, staring down fans in the crowd. And I mean, that's just what he, that's just what he is. You know, like he, he knows that that's his value in the league is doing that kind of stuff. So I think that may maybe has something to do with it too. Like Dennis Schroeder can be a pest on certain defensive possessions, but he's not going to like, you know, yell and celebrate and, you know, be a, a character, if you will, in the NBA, like Patrick Beverly is, you know, I think Dennis well, Schroeder cares yeah. more about balling. And that's the thing that I think is good about the Dylan Brooks's of the future is I feel like what we're saying is that defensive matchup for a player like Schroeder is between Schroeder and the person that he's guarding. Patrick Beverly is trying to make a spectacle of himself. Uh, he's trying to show us end. that he's a good defensive player. <laughs> yeah. He's like, look, look, everyone, look how good I am. Look how good I am at defense. That's a, it's weak. when Dennis is trying to say to the person, you will not be scoring on me. And if you do score on me, it's going to be very problematic for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I read a thing on Twitter that was completely unrelated to basketball, but it just reminded me of this. And I do not subscribe to the, the alpha beta kind of descriptor of men and in general, but someone made the comment like, if you call yourself an alpha and you have to scream it loud in a room full of other men, you need to take a look at what you just did and realize that you're not (laughs) because you don't, you don't have to do that. You know, someone like Lou Dort does not have to, he, he just plays, he defends and we Mm -hmm. recognize it because it's good. He doesn't do anything Mm -hmm. to like, say I'm a good defender. Look at me. I'm a good defender. He just defends and it's good. You know, he lets his play speak for itself. Yep. To me, that's what the great ones do, you know, like, like Kawhi Leonard. I mean, I, I know that he hasn't had many defensive highlights over the past couple seasons. Not like he did in Toronto or those years in San Antonio, but, but he, he just lets his play speak for himself. You know, he, he just, well, it's hey, all about know. business and, and don't he get just me does wrong. What he does. I love, I mean, we're all Russell Westbrook fans. Anytime that the, that amount of emotion is being shown, it is more feeding off of everyone already reacting to what just happened. If that makes sense. Like, let's say that there is an an insane play and the crowd goes crazy. The reaction is Russell Westbrook living in that moment and feeling himself as much as possible, which I is a thing that I admire. (laughs) And I think that that's just hip hop. The, (laughs) the bravado of, I did that Trey Young's, I've already talked about this before. Trey Young's celebration is so subtle and so perfect when he makes any of those logo threes. He just points to where he shot from. Yeah, did that. <laughs> I did that. I shot from there. <laughs> I love it. I'm all about it. Yeah. I mean, to me, like, that's a good attitude to take with whatever you do. You know, like mm-hmm. you do something and you're proud of what you do. I mean, you don't have to tell everyone how how good it was. Just you know, just live in the moment and just yep. celebrate the fact within yourself that you did it and then just move on. You know, I'm not, I'm not like saying that NBA players should never like flex on each other and there should never be trash. So I'm not saying that at all. Cause a lot of it is just good competitive fun, but you know, let your play speak for yourself, Patrick Beverly. <laughs> I wonder how valuable you would be if you weren't, you know, if you didn't act like a buffoon on the court all the time. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. So let's, let's transition here, guys. Um, 
and, and now this could be a really fun time of the show because we can make fun of uh, the Clippers and the fact that they have very little future. So I thought it would be interesting to pull up the salary sheet for both the Clippers and the Hawks, the teams that were just eliminated. I mean, the big highlight, obviously, for the Clippers is Kawhi Leonard does have a player option. He could opt in and get $36 million next year. Something tells me he's not going to do that. We're already hearing rumblings of maybe Miami, maybe Dallas, who knows. Something tells me he's not going to stay in Los Angeles, but you know Steve Ballmer is going to do everything he can do to try. So there's that. But you got Paul George making nearly $40 million next year, guys. You've got Marcus Morris making nearly $16 million. You've got Patrick Beverly making over $14 million. You've got Rondo making seven point five, million. Zubots making seven point five, million. Luke Kennard? making nearly 13 million next year. I was surprised that's by what that. I'm talking one. about. Yeah. <laughs> um and and that that's who they have on roster for next year. Serge Ibaka does have a player option as well, uh 9.7. Something tells me he's probably going to opt out of that cuz I think he could get more money somewhere else. I actually was going to say the opposite. Yeah, I, I, I was going to ask how old in, he is. He, well, he's he's 31 <laughs> right 31. now. 31. But he, yeah. he also hasn't played like I don't even know how much he played this entire season. He did start yeah. for the Clippers before he got hurt. He was starting. For them. There's also that. always been that weird, like, I don't even know if it's verifiable rumor that, that the NBA does not list his age as being the correct age, which is, I, I yeah. think it's a little absurd, <laughs> but like he has taken a huge step back in terms of what he's been able to do over the last couple of years. You know, like he, he had a very, I think he clearly peaked in like, his physical abilities in Oklahoma city, but his probably basketball peak was in Toronto. I I don't know that. I don't know that someone is going to want to give him more than 9 million next year, especially because if he opts out, it's not like he's going to want to sign a one year deal. You know, they'll, they'll have to commit at least 20 million to him for a 32 and a 33 year old that has a decent offensive uh, capability, but you know, his main main focus has always been defense, but you know, he, he's yeah. struggling athletically at this point. This is something yeah. to be said for coming off a of back surgery. Right. Guys. Right. <laughs> like, As a seven like foot this. tall person. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's the, here's the biggest problem for the Clippers. The best player. Well, I, I, I don't want to, I'm going to give a little bit of credit to Paul George. This is the best playoffs he's ever had. He really showed out. He, he took a team that had no business going to six games to six games. And that's about as much credit as I'm going to give him for it. But I will say this, I'll give him three words. He was fine. Well, you know, he, that's my three words. Regardless, the, the, the number two player for the Clippers, this entire postseason is not signed with them next year. And I guarantee you, Reggie Jackson is going to be making more than $2 million in the NBA next season. (laughs) <laughs> he made After 2. the way that, the way that he year. played, there's no way that someone's not going to give him a, at least a ten million a year contract. No, no. He, someone's he, going to take a, a serv- chance on him. He's a serviceable player. I mean, he showed out. He really did. I hate him. He showed out, though. I, I got. I can't. Mm-hmm. You know, those are are not mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. So I, mean, he I didn't doubt try to hurt that, anyone, I doubt that so. he's going <laughs> to. You know, they're not going to resign him because they're not going to resign him for the minimum. He's going to go play for someone else probably. So then what, then what are you looking at? You lose, you lose your second best player. If Kawhi leaves, which, you know, it, I think it's, I think it's, what do you guys think? Do you think that he's going to, 
I think it's a big possibility. I, I'm going to give it a 50 50 chance going to. at this point. Here's what I thought at the beginning um, whenever he was doing his first moves. Like, so when San Antonio was happening, we were kind of getting soured on him for kind of holding out and forcing his way out and then going to Toronto and then immediately leaving Toronto and going to the Clippers. I was like, um, maybe he just kind of set this up where he's like, hey, y'all, I'm just going to go where I want to go. So be ready for that. Uh, when it's not working, I'm going to leave. Um, because truth be told, how many years does he have left in the tank? Um, to play at the level that he wants to play at to be winning championships. It can't be 10 more years, right? He's 30. So he's going to just keep moving and being in playoff positions until he's done winning championships. So I think he kind of opened the door to, I'm going to be leaving if it's not good. You know what would be beautiful to see? And it uh it it would take me all the way back to where I started with Kawhi. If he does to the Clippers, what he did to San Antonio next year, he signed, <laughs> he signs his option and then he's rehabbing air quotes. Yep. The entire season gets, gets that money. Doesn't play or plays very little has a mysterious <laughs> thing at the end of the season. Can't go to the postseason, and then just leaves just is gone. That would be, hey, be, I'm, all, be I'm all for it. I'm all beautiful. for it. it goes to the warriors. No, That's no. literally <laughs> my biggest fear. I'm not all for that. Him going, him going to the Warriors. Because I, I kind of think it's a, like, that's a big possibility. What the Warriors the or Miami would be, either one of them would be <laughs> a, a, a bad, bad thing, I think. I don't want him to stay in the West, honestly. I want him to go to the East. I think the West is too stacked. <laughs> let's, let's, let's get some what of those if, players to the East. What's the money like to get Ben Simmons to the Clippers for Kawhi and whatever else it takes? Um, ben Simmons is making way too much money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's yeah. he's got like uh four four years left on a like basically a max contract. He's owed yeah, I think a hundred a hundred million. So yeah, it's a <laughs> it's a whole mess over there. Yeah. <laughs> At, the so best part the, is if I was a ever a fan of any of the teams that he'd been on when he got shipped, my post would be like, Are you guys ready for some BS? And then <laughs> it would be great because that's his initials. I, I'm looking at this. <laughs> Why in the world did they just decide to give Marcus Morris a $64 million contract? And also, I mean, they were all in. what they are they going to do it's with a, Luke Kennard? Because yeah, his new contract ages. hasn't even started. Man, that's yeah. a really bad contract. They're giving him 40 grand this year. Did he yeah. even play? Yeah. I, I don't remember him doing Dude. anything. <laughs> <laughs> he is friends with Kyle Singler. It was like, you think I can't do better than you did? Because <laughs> oh, I will make three times as much as you made. <laughs> I'm going to go look and at just the playoff adequate. numbers by him right now. I just want to see. I mean, he's he's no, not he's a bad, not a bad player. player. No, no, no. I mean, he's way he better not player than Kyle that Singler. Money. Yeah. <laughs> he, but he did a, I feel like he ended up with a, uh, what's that guy I hate? Uh, I used to play for Houston and Memphis and all them. He's my rule uh, for you. you Chandler get your Parsons. Yes, Chandler Parsons. He pulled a Chandler Parsons. Guys. Yeah. He got paid. Yeah. Guys, they're, <laughs> they're going to pay $12 million to this next year. Five points, one rebound, <laughs> 0.7 assists. Yeah. 12, mil, $12 million. How many minutes How did many he minutes? Yeah. How many minutes 15 per game? minutes. <laughs> 15 minutes yeah. you're getting a million dollars per minute in the nba okay that here is, is a 
that's no. a conversation that I do not actually want to delve into, but I think we might have touched on this before and I can't remember where uh, this idea kind of originated of a quasi reverse or not even a reverse. It just straight up is an affirmative action situation where it's like, you just got to have one on your team <laughs> and he got the contract and he exists and there he is. Here's the thing in 2019, <laughs> he played the, the one series, uh, with Detroit against Milwaukee, they got swept, but he was playing 33 minutes, but he was averaging 15, four and two. So like, yeah, Told you, you get if that money. If, if you're going to do 15, four and two, absolutely. You can get 12 million, you know, maybe be, try to do 15, four and two on less than 33 minutes. You know, that's a bit See, much Myers Leonard. If Myers Leonard could just kept his mouth shut, he could have one of the, we got to have a name for these contracts. <laughs> it's a CP deal, the Chandler Parsons deal. It's, it's, yeah, he got himself a CP deal. Yeah, I don't Ooh, know if man. you guys saw all the stuff about the uh, baseball's um, what do they call it? Deferred deferred contract day, which is July first, apparently every year. So it's like I guess in baseball, they have uh, the the ability to like you can sign someone. And they have the option to say, well, I'll defer this contract. And instead of you giving it to me all like right now while I'm playing, you'll give it to me when I'm done playing over a length of time with interest. So yeah, like, they have, they have hmm. that too. Uh, so JT Ramuto is the catcher for the Philadelphia Phillies and uh, a classmate of mine in high school. And I remember whenever he was, going into the pros, he was going to end up on a farm team for the uh, Florida Marlins. I think they were already the Miami Marlins at the time, um, but he had already had a healthy scholarship from OSU and they were like, okay, how about this? We will pay you to not go to school. And if it doesn't work out and you're not a pro in three years, we will pay for you to go back to school. <laughs> so Man. it's like they have all types of things. The the the, wow. the the guy that they that the the day is named after is Bobby Bonilla, or Bonilla. Uh, I see. I assume it's Bonilla. Oh, I remember him. Yeah. So was he a uh, fan when I was young. His contract is the the I think it's the Mets have to pay him uh one million dollars every single July first from two thousand eleven <laughs> through twenty thirty five. There, he's not even halfway through, and they're paying him a million dollars every year, and he hasn't played for them in ten years. It's <laughs> so like I feel bad oh, about our, uh, our uh, Kyle Singler situation, but man, that's yeah. rough. That's that's excellent. Bananas. That is unfortunately fortunately for MLB, they don't have a salary cap, so uh, or at least I don't think it works the same way it does in the NBA. So it's not like it. It's a you know it keeps it on the books and prevents them from doing things. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what's, what's crazy to me, just real quick with baseball, like there's so many more players to pay. And I yeah. feel like, I feel like most franchises like don't have good attendance at their games. So I wonder where all the money comes from, you know, like to me, it seems like baseball doesn't generate that much money compared to football. And of course the NBA, but you know, I could be way off. Obviously. I don't know. That's just, what I observe. I'm just going to look up real quick. Average MLB yeah. attendance. Yeah. Uh, so obviously the last couple of years have been weird in 2019, the average uh, 
per game attendance was 28,000. So they, they bring in more for every, for every game than the NBA does. And they have like twice as many games. So they're making a lot of money. They're making a lot of money. The, yeah, the, I guess that makes sense. But you're right. Oh, yeah. I mean, their People, payroll is the ga- astronomical. I mean, and the games are like almost twice as long sometimes. So that's like 15 more beers a person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Okay, guys. So, uh, by the way, no, 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 no. Hey, 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 goodbye, Clippers. You got some stuff to figure out. Yeah, it's funny to me. I shall strike okay. through as the strike, strike through master. Yeah. Strike it. <laughs> Kaboom. Ah, uh, yes. Beautiful. That was artistic, Eddie. Uh, we didn't. We need to talk I'll, about. I'll put Atlanta. a note in here. Oh, I'll put a note in here. Least valuable player, Patrick Beverly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now we're at the Hawks, and their salary <laughs> story is, is very, very much different. I mean, they were. We talked about it before the show. They were three point three million under the the cap space this year, which is really pretty insane. You've got Gallinari next year making 20.4. We can talk about what that means in a second. I mean, he's 32 right now. Bogdanovich is 18 million and Clint Capella is owed 17 million next year. But then you go further down the list and you've got, to me, the heart of the team. You've got uh, Trey Young, obviously, making eight. A Kongu, who I thought is, played, played oh pretty well God. for them this year, making six. <laughs> Herder is making four. I mean, he really proved his value in this playoffs. I, I don't know how you guys feel about that. Cam Reddish had his moments as well. He's making 4.6. So their nucleus, the Hawks, I feel is very, very good. Very promising for the future. Um, what do you think about that, you know, compared to the Clippers, you know, moving into next season? Do they need to make any moves? Do they need to get younger? Um, what, what should they do? Kenny, Kenny Smith said it at the end of the game last night, the number one most important thing for Atlanta, first thing, sign John Collins. Sign yeah. him, mm-hmm. give him money. I don't know if I don't know if he's a max contract. He's gonna want one. If his agent's a good agent, his agent's he's, gonna give him a max he's contract. Gonna, the, here's here's my hope for Atlanta's sake, is that he enjoyed the camaraderie and the experience with this team enough that he might be willing to not uh, search for the max. Um, And maybe, maybe he'll want to take like a shorter deal and give it some years for this to develop. But he, I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think, I think there is a team out there. If it's not Atlanta, that would probably be willing to give him the max contract. He's, he's today's NBA, you know, John Collins is a big man that can shoot the three. I mean that's that's a very valuable I mean, player in a this big market. That knows for the ball, he just yeah. he just really wants to get, have. He knows where the ball is going to be and goes to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he he was great. He he deserves money. That's for sure. I think he'll probably he'll think? he'll probably be an all star next season. Is my guess. I mean, that's not outside of the realm of possibility. I don't think at all. I mean, they've got to think about paying Trey Young too. I mean, he's he's got one more year in his deal make an 8.3 next year, which maybe is the cheapest contract in the NBA. Um, of course it's, you know, still his rookie deal. Um, what do you think about Gallo? I mean, we all love Gallo, but he's making 20.4. Do you try to trade that and maybe get some younger pieces? It's a tough one. I mean, he was really, they would not have gotten as far as they did without Gallo. 
Well, yeah, in the semifinals, it was he saved two or three of those games. He was very, very important for this postseason run. And the way mm-hmm. that he plays, we we and we've talked about this before. His game will gra- age gracefully. You know, he he's a kind of guy that he may not try to do as much in the post and he'll slowly just become more of a, a, a three point specialist kind of person, but he's good at shooting threes. <laughs> so he is very good. He's, he's going to have a spot on a roster, maybe not for 20 million a year, uh, but he's going to have a spot on a roster for years to come. I think, I think he's got, he's got at least another four years in him. I would think, you know, Maybe I also yeah, think yeah. that he made enough money early enough on in his career and cares enough about literal basketball that I don't know that he's on the opposite end of the spectrum of John Collins, right? <laughs> Where it's like John Collins needs to start getting paid. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. John, John Collins. <laughs> he, yeah, he is. He's got to get money. He's got to get money and Atlanta really needs to do whatever they can to keep him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, I, they may need to trade one of these contracts, either Bogdanovich or Gallo. I, th- I think Bogdanovich is really good on the team, too. Well, he's on a very, kind of very, a very team-friendly deal also. His contract never goes up. Yeah, you know? yeah, 18 million uh, guaranteed through 2022-23 player option in the next season, 2024. I think, I think Clint Capella is probably their most expendable of the guys that we've mentioned because John Collins yeah. it does a lot of what Clint Capella does. Yeah, better or he he has potential to do it better. Yeah, well he can shoot better. Uh, that's the main thing I think. I think Capella, I, but it's also really nice well to that. have two of those on the no, same. No, that's team, what I'm saying. Like so, he is, yeah. he is a he is he's like the backup, which he's kind of the luxury. You know, like the uh, Trey Young doesn't have a backup. You know, Lou Williams stepped in and did what he could, but you know Trey is Trey, and you're not going to replace that. And John Collins, you know, obviously Clint can't shoot that way. But he where where John is not maybe as good at rebounding, Clint is better, but they do have a very similar kind of role. Uh, mm-hmm. But like they don't have someone that does what Gallo does, you know, like uh, Bogdan doesn't do the same sort of things that Gallo does. They may both be able to shoot, but, you know, Gallo can get a bucket in the post like he's got a legit post game. Yeah. And, you know, I, I that's why I think the Clint Capella is of these guys the most expendable. Uh, you know, you can go find someone to give you rebounds and energy. I mean, heck, trade for Moses Brown. Get put Moses Brown in there as the backup behind behind yeah. John Collins. Moses Brown yeah. has proven he can get rebounds. If you want rebounds, he'll get them. Mm-hmm. You know, he may and not energy, and he'll he's going to get way better. I mean, obviously, yeah. we don't really know what he's going to look like. Honestly, that could be that's actually a, totally a really good comparison. Later. Yeah, Capella and Moses Brown. I feel like, I feel like Moses Brown will be as good as Capella, maybe as soon as the season. You know what I mean? I feel like they have similar games. Well, I never thought about that is, before. Where is Atlanta in the draft right now? I know that it's not great, but actually probably been bad because they were in the middle of the East, right? Uh, uh, yeah. They. I don't know where is that page on Basel reference. Let me see. They've got. Oh wait. That was Atlanta Falcons. I was like, what? Yeah, <laughs> I did the same thing. I searched Atlanta <laughs> draft picks and it pulled up the Falcons. <laughs> that was terrifying. <laughs> I was like, what? They have the fourth pick. <laughs> How did I not know about this? Um, <laughs> this year they have. 
they have their own pick in round one. I don't, I don't know what it is. I mean, it's not a 20, lottery pick. 20, 20. They're pick number 20. Yeah. And then they also have a 48 from Miami. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. I think, I think that whatever Atlanta does, they're, they're going to be set up. You know, if, if they if they make the money work where they can sign um, John Collins and then also where they can offer Trey as much money as he wants to stay, because when all is said and done, I think I said it on the last show, when all is said and done, like Trey Young is probably going to be the best player that has ever played for the Hawks. You know, if he keeps on the trajectory that he's currently on, which is <laughs> heading all the way up, you know what I mean? They yeah, were two wins away from the NBA finals. He's barely 22, so... Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, do you guys think if he if he uh, would have played, do you think they would have beat the Bucks? No, uh, and here I don't the, think so I either. Mean, here, because the I think the reason the Charles Barkley said this actually, uh, he thinks that the greatest thing that could have happened to the Bucks. Well, this is a slightly different thing. I'm misremembering. My, no, my, no, no, my, no, no, no. It's still, no, it, you're about to say the right thing because I think it's going to be true for what happened with well, Atlanta what, the first he, time that Trey he, was out. Yeah, what he said was like the greatest thing that happened to the Bucks was losing Giannis because it forced him to, to adjust. But my point, uh, and I mentioned this to you guys earlier in the, in the group chat, um, I think the, the, made, the one big flaw of the Milwaukee Bucks is that they do not adjust quickly. <laughs> They are a very slow team to adjustments if they do any adjustments at all. And, you know, a lot of people throw that right at the feet of Bud and, you know, maybe it's deserved, but they're in the finals. So clearly there's something working uh, to a degree there. But that's why I thought that the fact that Trey wasn't going to be back or, or the, the fact that Trey did come back actually, uh, you know, the fact that he, he, what he, I'm not even sure what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, I'm with you. I'm following Milwaukee yeah. was able to handle them because uh, of the unexpected, essentially like it, it, it didn't go the way that we thought it was going to go. And that was kind of, that's just the way that the bucks are is my point. Well, I, uh, yeah. Building on that, because think about the first game that Phoenix was out and that whole, or no, sorry, Phoenix. Goodness. I'm just can't when, <laughs> Yep. <laughs> when Trey Young was out, I'm sorry, I passed and, it on to you. The disease. Yeah. <laughs> when Trey Young was out, and the Hawks just came and threw down the next, and you're like, "What?" Kevin Herter and Bogdan and all, like they just they just started doing the thing because they need to be put in those situations. And honestly, that's where those people are earning their money. Um, I just think that it's every team's nightmare because of how hard you scout for a star player to be gone because you don't know who it's going to be when the team runs their offense and their defense. Well, that ends up supporting the team and carrying the team through whatever adversity, you know, like who would have thought that I would care about Kevin Herter, Carter Herter now. (laughs) He showed out. I mean, he just didn't Mm -hmm. have like one game where he went off. I mean, he he was very reliable. I think as a scorer. I mean, this is the problem with this kind of situation. And we know this all too well as Thunder fans. Mm-hmm. You've got these young guys all on really low value or really high value contracts. And you get a good postseason run. And suddenly every one of them knows their true value. And it makes yeah. building the team impossible. 
you have to or you're going to have to make a sacrifice somewhere, you know? Like you got to pay Trey Young, you got to pay John Collins, you really got to pay Kevin Herter and you probably really got to pay Cam Reddish. And every one of those dudes is only making 4 to 8 million and their contracts are up next at the end of next season. So what are you going to do when, you know, at least two of those guys probably think they're they're max contract guys and the other two probably are thinking, you know, I could go get uh you know, 60 million from someone I'm, I'm that good enough to do that. I contribute. Yeah. How do you, how do you keep that team together like that without sacrificing a giant gaping hole in an, in another part of your roster? You know, you can get rid of Gallo yeah. and you can, you can even get rid of Bogdan and Clint Capella, but to keep the, keep those young guys, but then you've, you've just completely sacrificed uh, a lot of inside presence and a whole lot of shooting. So yeah, it's just a dangerous situation, man. You almost don't want <laughs> this this situation to happen. And you know who else is in, in a situation like this that uh, I wanted to ask you guys how, how you think about the comparison? The Memphis Grizzlies. Both of these teams are super young with a super young core led by a couple of guys that are clearly going to be incredible basketball players for a long time. And... At some point, they're going to have to come up with the money to pay these guys, plus their role players. And they both kind of showed that they were, I mean, obviously, Memphis didn't go as far as Atlanta this year. But I think a lot of that was just the nature of the matchup that they had. You know, Atlanta was in the middle and, you know, Memphis had to play Utah. So what are you going to do? I think Atlanta's in a better position. Atlanta's in a better position because they are a bigger market. Uh, and even if it weren't a market situation, they're an easier destination place, I think, than Memphis. Um, mm. Memphis is such a small market that that money really does become, hey, guys, you got to be okay with not making as much money if we're going to make a run at this thing, <laughs> which gets tough and difficult. And we know that all too well. I think, honestly, truthfully, that's why we, we kind of really pull for teams like Memphis. <laughs> Because we know that they're a hundred percent the same boat that we're in. So whenever they're successful, it's like, oh, we can be successful too. Yeah, I mean, the, I I think that um, yeah, Atlanta is a is a better market than Memphis. Although I I do think that in the grand scheme of the NBA, both those markets are probably in the the bottom ten maybe mm-hmm. of markets. You know. So it's not like the, I don't think that the difference is really big enough to sway, uh, you know, a big name guy going there or something. But I will say this. I think that uh, Atlanta has more veteran presence on their team right now. And Atlanta, as we've seen right at the looking at the salary thing, their veteran presence is kind of where their money is wrapped up in the moment. But they do have to are going to have to pay the young guys, as we said. So Memphis is probably going to have an easier time holding on to more of their younger players, but they have to figure out how to plug the holes immediately. Whereas Atlanta already has that. So they're kind of moving in a little bit of opposite direction. I don't really know which one is moving more up. I think, I think it's a very interesting comparison though. These two teams in particular. Um, For the record, as far as uh, the money and the logistic goes, uh, market size. The Atlanta Hawks are eighth in the league, and the Memphis Grizzlies are twenty eighth. Twenty eighth, yeah, league. yeah. <laughs> hmm. 
Yeah. Which when you said that they were five under the cap, I was like, oh, that kind of makes a little bit of sense, but it's still extremely surprising. <laughs> well, Atlanta's, yeah. gu- Atlanta's guaranteed pay- paid payroll next season is going to be about 20 million under the cap. Oh, and so that, do you guys know where Tony Snell, Lou Williams, and yeah. uh, John Collins and Solomon Hill? Though none of those guys are going to be on. They're not on the books right now. And Chris yeah, Dunn yeah. has the plans, the player options. So we'll see what happens. I don't. I didn't hear much from him in the postseason. He's definitely yeah. something. Guys someone that they can go away um, with. Do you guys know where we're at on the market chart? We are. We have the lowest salary expenditure right now. I know that. But well, okay. I, I haven't checked it since. The the Horford Kimba trade, I think Horford was making more money though, right? Mm-hmm. I still That's think right. we're probably the lowest in the league. Well, as far as uh, just the market, so we usually market. Oh, kind of oh, markets. By- I'm sorry, I thought you said sal- uh, yeah. salary. No, uh, um, probably bottom five. Twenty six. We are in the bottom five. Memphis legitimately is the lowest as far as TV market size and their metro population. Um, and then right above them at 27 is New Orleans, and then it's us at 26. Guess who is right above us? San Antonio? Sacramento? Uh, close. Or Sacramento? Close. San Antonio was close. Uh, it is the Eastern Conference champions, the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Wow. Yeah, that's another reason that... Uh, that's another reason I'm really, I'm really excited for Milwaukee. Yeah. And we, we haven't gotten there yet. We've been talking for an hour. We haven't even gotten to talking about the finals yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, uh, we've been off for two weeks, so but yeah, uh, we'll have to catch up. On. I I almost have to say that for the good of the league, we the league needs Milwaukee to win a championship this year, and I know that that is a very difficult thing to think uh, and to say as a Chris Paul fan and someone that wants to see Chris Paul win a ring because he deserves it. But the league needs an opportunity to show that the small market has a chance. You know, there's not Mm -hmm. been, when was the last time a small market outside of San Antonio, because they're the, they're the, uh, the outlier, they're the enigma, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they've been the gold standard and it's like, well, you can't, no one's been able to repeat the small market thing that has happened in San Antonio. But other than them, you know, when was the last and small market that won a championship? Well, you do that and then you expand upon it other than San Antonio and a team with LeBron James. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, well, Cleveland <laughs> is, is a big market. I mean, Ohio's big. I, well, I, if anything, that, the presidential elections has told me is that Ohio is way bigger than I ever give it credit for. <laughs> well, yeah, it's I, I mean, it's in the top 20. It's uh, 18. So... It's a, it's, there's just not, there's also, I'm looking at the teams and I'm like, none of these, do I think they could ever do it in the future? Like if we're looking at the bottom 10, uh, because clearly uh, Brooklyn and New York share a market area and both LA teams share a market area. The bottom 10 are Cleveland, Sacramento, Portland, Charlotte, Indiana, Utah, San Antonio, Milwaukee, Oklahoma city, New Orleans, and Memphis. It's crazy that we're above New Orleans to me, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, New Orleans to me seems like a huge market. That's what I would think too, but apparently not for sports, which kind of makes sense to me. Yeah. 
I mean, any city that can support an NFL team, I think is, you know, that's pretty significant market there. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to measure the market size as well. I, 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 the way that I'm, whenever I think about it is it's, it is, uh, you know, admittedly very unscientific. It's more of a gut feeling sort of thing, but I wouldn't like Portland being on that. I mean, the bottom 10, that makes no sense to me at all. Like I would consider Portland have at least a mid mid level to upper level market. Um, it's especially considering the fact that Seattle does not have a team, you know? Um, but I, either way, um, like of, of those teams who, who could do it? Well, I can tell you who probably couldn't do it. I don't see yeah. Charlotte doing it, although they, they're in a right. good spot now. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, player. I don't really see new Orleans doing it. I, I don't, I just don't see, I don't think I don't see that team ever winning an, a championship. I don't see that don't team see ever Indiana really getting to the finals. Yeah. Indiana. I, I actually, I, gi- I, give, I give them an He's opportunity. He's a championship coach. I would give them a chance <sighs> over purely, Sacramento for sure. <laughs> oh yeah. No, Sacramento <laughs> probably doesn't even need to be in the league. Sacramento and, and uh, the Minneapolis, those teams just, yeah. <sighs> I feel like Indiana is a basketball state too. Yeah. You know what I mean? It is. It is. That's, but. and that's always, that was always the thing when everyone talks about Larry bird and it's like, you know, mm-hmm. he, he's, he represented basketball in Indiana and, you know, it put it, put a, I guess not back on the map, but like, you know, many people remember where he came from. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we get to our finals preview and talk about predictions and uh, X factors and things like that, it seems like it was a long time ago, but we probably should talk about the results of the draft and just reactions. So obviously it didn't go so well with Houston falling out of the top four. I honestly thought that that was kind of a long shot anyway, when you looked at the numbers, but you know, um, I thought that it could happen too. 48, 48% chance. Yeah. That they looking at out. the list. I mean, this is definitely the most involved draft night. The Oklahoma city thunder will ever have because, uh, they, they just have more picks. Looking at this list, they've got the number six. They've got the number 16 that was sent with Kimball Walker uh, in that trade. They've got the number 18. They've got the number 34. They've got the number 36. And they've got the number 55. Three firsts, three seconds. And now, obviously, Presti could trade some of those or all of those or one of those or whatever. We'll see. But, um, but yeah, it's. I've been saying it for you know show after show after show, like, Draft night is going to be highly entertaining for Oklahoma City Thunder fans because there is a world of opportunity for Presti and what he could do. But obviously disappointing. We didn't, you know, get a higher pick. But, you know, if the draft is as stacked as they say, the number six player could be the next Steph Curry. Really could. Yeah. I, you are the, the, the optimist of the group, Jeremy. And Steph it Curry is, was it picked is, to number seven. It is necessary. Way. But um, I, I know I think I, th- I think a draft is deep. I think that I think that one through nine is the reason. Well, the reason why one through fourteen is a lottery, I think, it has more to do with you can just be doing a bad job as a scout. <laughs> um, but it's like truly any of those players can end up being very excellent. Maybe not necessarily a franchise player immediately or even in the next five years, but could just turn into whatever. Um, mm-hmm. 
so I'm optimistic about the person that we get with that pick being um, relevant for a while. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, yeah. I don't share your optimism, unfortunately. All right. Go ahead and bum me out, Eddie. What's no, your no, no, no. I, I, here's, I mean, <laughs> the, the thing that I just, I have constantly tried to remind myself is that this is just year one of the, 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 the tank experience, I guess. And yeah. as much as a lot of Thunder fans don't want to do it again, I mean, nothing that Sam Presti has ever said has indicated that he planned this to be a one and done thing and suddenly back to relevancy next year. You know, he, he, he made it quite clear that this is a, a whole process that you got to tear down before you can rebuild. I mean, we're still, we still have the ghost of Russell Westbrook's contract on the team. You know, we, we still have a max guy that's old on the team. It's not like we've completely reduced our team to nothing yet. So in that sense, we haven't even completed a teardown, let alone have begun a rebuild. Um, but I, I can't, I, I can't deny the fact that this was an outrageously upsetting and disappointing lottery for us. We, we got literally the third worst possible outcome that we could have gotten. And yeah, I think that the number six pick I, I've kind of, I've, I've warmed my heart a little bit towards uh, Scotty Barnes. I think that he, he's going to be a good player, but I think that the, you can't look at, at like Steph was the seventh and you know, all these, these, these outliers and, and, and think that that's a thing that happens all the time because it, it doesn't, you know, those are, those are very rare. And I don't, I don't, I have no, there's no reasonable way for me to expect that the sixth pick is going to be a franchise changing player for us. I just don't, I don't think that that's what it's going to be. Well, yeah, Um, here's, I think that, both scenarios, right? So let's say we ended up with the magic pick and we had the first and the fifth pick that could still have gone absolutely terribly. There's still just draft picks. Now, Kate no. Cunningham was a different situation. You're right. Um, I, I think mean, that happened for sure. Yeah, exactly. I think that for my money, um, that scenario didn't even mean that the rebuild was definitely going to be shortened that significantly. I feel like in my mind, we were always going to be looking at at least still next year with uh, the struggles kind of on purpose because of what you said earlier about the campus contract. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I don't know. I just don't feel like uh, I don't feel that down about the picks that we have in this draft, if that makes sense. I, I don't either. I, I really yeah. don't. I mean, I can understand your disappointment, Eddie, but I think it's fine. I, I think that Presty has so many tools in his toolbox. Like it, it, this is just a minor bump in the road. I think, by the way, uh, I know players like Steph Curry don't get picked, you know, that low a lot, but also, you know, going into the finals, Devin Booker was picked 13. Giannis Antetokounmpo was picked 15. So yeah, oftentimes sure. it doesn't even matter. Uh, you know, a lot of times it's just the system that you're entering. And I, I think all three of us feel very confident about Oklahoma City, their ability to uh, to really shape a player's career and really uh, not train. I'm trying to think of the word. Uh, 
We've been the best developmental team in the actual NBA yes. that's not in the G League. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And here's my thought too. And uh, maybe this would have been different if we had got like the number four pick or whatever. Here's my thought. I think Presti's going to pick someone that all the experts say that he is not going to pick. You know what I mean? I think the experts are going to say, well, this player is obviously going to fall to the thunder. I think he's going to pick someone else that's expected to go like 10 or 11. Cause I think that's just his style putting trust in a player that is kind of under the radar like Russell Westbrook and James Harden. Neither one of those players were expected to be drafted that high. Kevin Durant was, everyone was, was going to pick Greg Oden. Everyone says that was going to pick Greg Oden first and Kevin Durant was number two, but it wasn't that way with uh, James Harden and Russell Westbrook. So, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of my perspective on it. You know, I'm not getting my panties in a bunch about it. Well, I I just think that it's a it's more of a um, to me a, a bit of an indictment on the entire way that basketball handles the draft and how it is ordered because. I I think it is very very difficult to look at the last stretch of basketball that the Thunder played and not see something wrong with that and something that's probably not good for basketball in that. And I, I wasn't I know, around I, before the lottery, but I'm imagining it was probably worse. Whenever it was, just get the worst record and you get the first pick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there that really have, there was been, a race to the bottom. I bet there have been <laughs> yeah. way, way worse, uh, way worse. I mean, there've been way worse team records than we had for sure. But I think my point is like the sudden, the kind of fall off that we had. And yes, you can point to losing your best player and suddenly you are not near the team that you were, but to go from a, you know, a couple games under 500 at one point be, being 500 at one point, and maybe even considering that maybe the playoffs were an option to, you know, losing like, I don't even know, 26 of your last 28 games or something like that. It's, it's difficult to, to look at that and to, to like not kind of, you know, make a stink face. Like that's not, that is not a good situation. And to be fair, the team on the court and in the locker room did, did and said all the right things. I don't think that they necessarily did anything wrong, but I do think that, um, it was not entirely unintentional is I guess my point. And to see, to, to continue to keep doing that and to be, doing that basically just for the chance at maybe getting a guy like Cade Cunningham. Um, I don't know. I think, I feel like there's a better way to do it. That doesn't, doesn't uh, necessitate the worst basketball ever, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, the NBA may be better than any other professional league. I think changes things when things need to be changed for the most part, you know? So We'll see if, if they adjust, I guess. It, to me, the NBA seems like the most forward-thinking league, you know, compared to NFL, which uh, in a lot of ways, NFL is kind of stuck in the ways that they've always done things, you know, and they're kind of stubborn to change. Um, and then, you know, of course, baseball. We talked about that earlier, but mm. I don't know. I, I, I think I get what you're saying, Eddie, and I agree. I mean, I, I don't like teams, quote-unquote, trying to lose either. I, I don't think it's good for basketball. But I, you know, I struggle to believe that it will be near as bad this season, 
even if it's still a tank situation or a not playoff situation for the fact that Shea's not going to not play a whole year again. <laughs> and the same thing with Lou and those yeah. other guys. And that's the whole reason why we have everyone else's draft picks so that they can be bad and we can try and then still <laughs> reap the benefits. Of yeah, I, a I mean, draft I, I was going to, I was going to say, I don't think that if we had gotten the first and the fifth pick versus getting the sixth pick, I don't think the team would have approached the season any differently. I really don't in, in the entire organization. I think that the plan is always going to be, let's go play. Let's see what we have and adjust as we go. And mm-hmm. that w- that's going to be the same, no matter what picks we get. However, I, I don't, th- I, it is, it is hard to deny the, the, the thought that, well, the season would probably go a slightly better way if we had gotten the first and fifth pick versus the sixth pick. And obviously it's that extends far beyond just the one season, all that, you know, I, I still have a, all, all of the faith in the world in the coaching staff and the guys on the court to completely surprise me and do what many people might think impossible, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Presti is the GM that surprises more than any other GM in the league, I would say. So it'll be fun. We'll have to do something fun that night. We'll have to like get on discord and, you know, watch it together and make some predictions and all that. So right now they have six picks. How just, I know there's a lot that's going to happen between now and then, but how, how many of those do you think Presti is actually going to use? Uh, well, all of them will be used. I don't know about how many of them will play for the Thunder. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I'm saying is like he could obviously trade them. You know, he could obviously try to trade down in the draft if, you know, if, if the player that he does want is not going to go in the top 10, you know, that kind of thing. I've seen a lot of clamoring for people wanting to trade up, which, you know, obviously they want to trade up to get a higher pick. And I, I will say I am very confident that that is not going to happen. I do not see a way that that happens without it costing us more than what it is worth. And that is, that is completely not Sam Presti's game. That is not his agenda. That is not how he operates. He is not about trading the future for the now. He's never been that way and he never will be that way. So the people that think that we're going to trade up into the top five, that's ridiculous. I still just don't believe that that would even be trading it for now because that's still investing in the. It, it just doesn't yeah, make we, any sense. Yeah. No, <laughs> it, it's based well, on everything we just said that we all had on this conversation. Th- the difference between the sixth and the fourth pick is: is it going to be a like what two second round? Like how are we wagering these things on these unknowns? Well, I mean, it's been widely regarded that there's a pretty significant drop off after the first five guys in this year's draft, which is why it's always been like it's always been the goal. You got to get into that top, the top five spots, which is why I don't think that anyone in the top five right now, unless they're completely out of their mind are, is going to be willing to trade anything that they have for anything lower. And unless that, what they're sending with lower is like a, immediate game changer, you know, but I don't see, I I literally do not see a situation that would make Detroit or Houston um, or Cleveland willing to trade those, either of those, any of those picks 
Toronto is really the only one I can maybe kind of make an argument for, but I don't really think that's going to happen either. I, I think that there's no way that those teams trade anything out of there, even to get just one spot lower. You know, I don't think that it would be a smart decision on their side and, and I don't, it would cost too much on the other team's side. So I mm-hmm. just, I this is basically just a backlash against all the, the people in the, that I've seen who have been talking about trading up and about how that's what really needs to happen. And I just think it's funny because that those are the people that were, you know, all about the tank during the season rooting for team, the team to lose so that we could get the higher spot. And then now that we didn't get it they're they're now considering, well, let's mortgage the future to, tr- to get a, a player that will be maybe a little bit better now, but probably has a much larger ceiling in the long term. Uh, it's, it's completely the opposite things. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. There's a, a cognitive dissonance there yeah. on the part of those people. I mean, it's definitely the sexier thing to do, you know, oh, let's trade up so we can get a pick of whatever player we want. I mean, I, you know, I mean, some fans are just prisoners of the moment and, and think like that. But I mean, Preston could trade up if there's a player he's just in love with and that he just knows he can't live without. I mean, he could trade up. I mean, Lord knows he's got all the things that he would need to trade up, you know. I'm not saying Detroit would trade that number one pick for anything, but who knows? I mean, he, he's, he's got a bunch of stuff. I won't be surprised uh, completely, no matter what happens. I'll, yeah. I'll say that. <laughs> no matter what happens, I, too, it's, I, it's probably going to be something if, we don't expect. If Detroit gives up Cade, I, I will be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. th- I think they're bad at managing, but I don't think that they are suicidal. <laughs> <laughs> Troy Weaver, Troy Weaver is there now. There's no way they're giving up. Kate. <laughs> yeah. There's no way. Yeah. Yeah. Detroit's an, a team maybe to keep an eye on over the next few years too, because it would appear that they are on the rise as well. And you know, that number one pick maybe even solidifies that even more. So, That'll that'll be another team that'll be interesting to watch. One last pinch of salt I have to throw here. And it is is not not related to the Thunder. But the other reason that this draft was extremely disappointing, or the lottery was, is because Houston completely avoided the consequences of their ridiculous actions. And they've now (laughs) leapfrogged in a rebuilding process. And that is disgusting. They don't deserve that. And I'm, I'm mad about it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Do you think, uh, you know, as far as the rebuild goes for the future, do you think right now the thunder are ahead of the rockets or do you think they're behind the rockets? Ba- basically how much of a rebuild is Houston going to do? You think? Well, I mean, they're going to have to do something. They, they can't They're John Wall's not going to take them anywhere. You know, I don't think so at least. But if if one of the Jalen's, which I presume is probably who they will get, or assume is who they will pick, both those guys are are considered to be franchise guys. So we have a franchise guy. So I guess by definition, we're already a little bit ahead of them. But the fact that it is, they should have been way under us. They shouldn't even be rebuilding yet. They should still be in the in the gutter because that's <laughs> where they belong. <laughs> yeah. Yep. We shall see. We shall see. All right, guys. Should we get to the main events? Should we talk about the 
NBA Finals featuring the Phoenix Suns, Western Conference champion versus the Milwaukee Bucks. Eastern Conference champion, as we talked about before the show started, I think it was before the show, no player on either team has played in an NBA Finals with the exception of Jay Crowder. And it was just one year last year that, that he played with the Heat and they, they ultimately lost to the Lakers. So we've got some, some fresh blood. We've got some new faces in the NBA Finals. I, I think it's good for the league. Uh, personally, I like both these teams. So I will watch every single minute of every single game because it does not have the likelihood that it'll make me mad like if the Clippers were in the Finals. So, well, yeah, let's get into this, guys. Uh, predictions, X-Factors. Uh, obviously, Giannis's health is... Uh, concerning uh, Eddie, you mentioned, and, and I actually just looked it up too. that it was widely reported that there was optimism that Giannis would play in a game seven. So he may not be a hundred percent, but even an 80% Giannis or even a 60% Giannis is still going to be tough to deal with. Um, so yeah, what happens? Uh, first, the thing that makes me excited is they've bumped up the start to Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I saw that today. So, so that starts on Tuesday now, which makes me excited. Um, it's, uh, who's got I, advantage sons. Yeah. Oh, sons do. Tuesday, okay. and Tuesday in Phoenix. Yep. And there it's interesting. Uh, when did we stop the finals format for the series? Uh, it's the been two, several years two now. Two. I just haven't really paid attention. I'm pretty sure that was at some point in the Cleveland warriors saga. Okay. Is it? Two two one 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 now. Maybe or is it maybe two, three, two? it was yeah. right at the beginning of the Cleveland Warriors saga. Maybe the yeah. last time it was two three two was the the year that San Antonio won. I mean, I don't know. If that means a ton, uh, but it's just. I was going to say earlier. I feel like home court advantage hasn't mattered at all in these playoffs. We've seen so many road teams win, including almost an entire seven game series. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think I think that the well, because the opposite thing happened generally in the Bucks Hawks series that that it maybe the popular opinion was that it was going to happen. But I feel like that those I mean the, the fact that throughout the playoffs like they've slowly seen more and more people being allowed to attend the games until now at this point like I'm pretty sure both of these arenas are full full attendance. Like it's just like it's it was nothing had ever happened at this Guys. point. Where have I been? 2014 is the last time that that happened. Yeah, that's what I said. I, th- I thought it was maybe <laughs> yeah. the last, the Spurs championship. So right, what? the first, the Warriors championship was the the first one that was two two one uh, one one. That is nuts. Okay, okay. Well, time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> makes I makes guess. you wonder about those Warriors calf series how they would have gone if a few of them had been right. two three two. <laughs> oh my or, goodness. Or Thunder I, Heat. I think that format, was, that change is a big deal. Like, yeah, that is a big deal in the finals. Huh? Okay. Okay. Back to the initial thing. My X factors, I was going to pull up both these rosters, mm-hmm. but truth be told for Phoenix, my X factor is going to be Jay Crowder. I think that there will be the game where it is not happening for both CP and Devin Booker, and it's going to have to be Jay Kreider and Mikhail Bridges. Yeah. As far as offense is controlled. But I think that Milwaukee is very aware of that. I think that while Milwaukee does not make adjustments well, I think that their initial plan is always pretty decent. (laughs) 
and mm-hmm. at least takes adjustments from the other team first. Yeah. I have I just struggle to even I don't I don't I never watched them play in the regular season. I don't even know what the parameters and the circumstances were in the regular season games. I I don't recall either. I guess we can look I, that I, up. I don't even I didn't even think to look at that. <laughs> like I don't he, even know what these teams look like playing each other in my head like trying to think of matchups and things of that nature. I just know that uh while uh, Phoenix has Aiton, I Milwaukee is markedly bigger than Phoenix. So they played on February 10th. Um, looks like this was, this was uh, at home. Damn. All, both these games were 125 awesome. to 124 Phoenix. Yeah. And then the next one was uh, April 19th in Milwaukee. Overtime game, 128-127. So two oh, points <laughs> difference in the season series. And both yeah. big offense uh, big offense games, I'm pretty too. sure at some point in this series or in the season, we watched one of these games, and we probably even said in the group chat that this would be an excellent finals series. Probably. I'm sure Actually, we did. Uh, bringing that up, I saw someone, uh, a tweet this morning. Some guy, 2016, he sent out a tweet that said game seven Milwaukee versus uh, Phoenix 2021 NBA finals. Milwaukee wins like 128 to 124 or something. He's like 123 to, God, to 113. If, yeah. If that happens, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to the bunker, man. <laughs> the Terminator has Someone arrived. Knows. Someone knows. Yeah. Oh, um, the matchups are toss ups. Every single one of them to me. Are yeah, concepts. that's kind of what I think, too. I mean, on paper, it's just like, wow, these are two very evenly matched teams all the way he, down. Here's here's my X factor. And I just made this decision and it just made my decision for the series. There is no one. On the court. That can prevent Giannis from doing what Giannis does. Phoenix does not have someone to throw at him like that. Not there is a, for there every is a, play. There is a matchup on a, almost every other area that I, is a very strong matchup. To me, Jay Crowder, PJ Tucker cancel each other out. CP3 is going to be the most important player for the Suns. But the way that Drew Holiday was playing that's going to be a very fiery experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, Middleton, Middle, Middleton, Booker. Middleton can, can give Booker trouble. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. And I don't yeah, really think definitely. that the, the opposite can be said, but Middleton's also been a bit inconsistent. So we'll see. Brooke Lopez, I think will give Aiton a run for his money. It will make it hard. I don't definitely. think that Aiton will, will struggle necessarily, but, he will put Aiton in in situations that he might not want to be in, but Phoenix He'll just, has to guard Lopez on the perimeter. You know, exactly. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Phoenix just does not have someone that, that, to cover Giannis. They don't okay, have a body so that can do that. Jay Crowder will, will, will probably give a good try. Uh, Mikhail Bridges is another one that they could put on him, but they're probably going to have to like try to put Aiton on him or something. You know, it's going to be tough. I think there's going to be a significant amount of zone defense from the Phoenix Suns. 
It would that would be a smart force, that would be smart. I think they're gonna try to make Milwaukee make shots. And I think that if Chris Middleton and Patrice Connaughton That's <laughs> and right. Bryn Forbes <laughs> and Bryn Forbes will be making those shots and PJ's got that quarter three, then Phoenix is in a world of hurt unless Devin Booker goes insane and campaign is good off the bench again. The campaign is yeah, the yeah, other yeah, yeah. the other yeah, big yeah. factor. Yeah. I was going to yeah. bring up campaign. No, I mean, they don't have a big and Milwaukee has not played a team that I can think of off the top of my head. That's had really a two deep, strong guard area point guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I obviously yeah. campaign. You can't, you know, it's not Chris Paul, but he has showed out and he's played very well and he can give you problems, but they haven't experienced that yet. They've really played a bunch of teams that are like one really have really good guard and then not so much. So it's, it'll be interesting to see how they deal with that depth. And don't worry, uh, everyone. We will get to the uh, the Thunder matchup of Abdel Nader and Justin Jackson soon. Uh, <laughs> is he even with? Is he even on that team? Like he might be on the roster. Is he even on that team? There's several. Justin there's several Jackson's a, uh, he's on that two way contract. No, he played in the playoffs of the first round. Did he oh, really? Wow. Yeah, I don't remember yeah. that. Are there, there, the aren't any, there aren't any Thunder players on in Milwaukee, are there? Justin Jackson. Oh, he's the I one. Guess, okay. Yeah. Because there's, yeah. what, three, four, three at least on in Phoenix? <laughs> yeah. I think it's yeah. three. Nader, CP3, and Campaign, yeah. Yeah. Well, it means a former Thunder player is going to have a championship ring after this series, no matter what. That's right. Hooray. That's right. <laughs> I, I'm with you, Eddie, too, on campaign. I think he could be a, an X factor in this series. He has played. I really, I'm just like so proud of him. I, mm-hmm. He has played with such confidence, and he's I, he really like rehabbed his career too to get to the point where he's at. I mean, traded yeah. from the Thunder to the Bulls, and then played in the G League for a while. I mean, I think t- he was on Toronto's roster last season for a short time, but then they dropped him. I mean. He's really found a home and he's found a place where his game can really flourish. Um, yeah. I think he's going to provide us with some great highlights. And I, I think that he's perhaps a player that really isn't on the Bucks radar, at least going into, you know, game one. So um, I, I could see him having a, a very, very big night on Tuesday. I really could. I just need Saric to be able to eat about 5,000 night on Giannis. Yep. That's, that really is, that's how it's going to have to go. Yeah, Phoenix, Phoenix gonna is going to have to in. win in the trenches, as they yeah. say. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're going to have to get dirty. They're going to have to make uh, make me upset watching them. I just feel like Milwaukee is so prone to giving up very long and large runs that yes. I think that they can do that at the wrong time. And Phoenix is so good at going on runs. <laughs> yeah, that. There will be games won strictly at the run was at the wrong time for the Milwaukee Bucks, and they either couldn't come back from it or it was too late. Mm-hmm. I have no doubt. I guarantee Both teams can run too. Here, I mean, here's here's my Chuck guarantee. Both of these teams are going to lose games in this series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my guarantee. So really Eddie stepping outside will be your no comfort sweep. zone with that Eddie one. Saying there will be no sweep. In there this will be no sweep. I will bet money <laughs> now. Uh, w- the exception is if Giannis cannot play at all. And even in that case, I still give Milwaukee a shot to win at least a couple games. Man, that, that Chris Middleton this has been exactly, good. 
this whole situation is where Milwaukee misses DiVincenzo. Yeah. 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 He would really, he's, he's yeah. that other guy that would have been there yeah. to counter the mm-hmm. campaign of the yeah. Of Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. I, after I saying, I, I say all of well. the things, I say all that about Milwaukee and about how I've, I've decided that they have uh, the on paper advantage. My gut still tells me that Phoenix is probably going to win the series. Uh, I don't know reason, if you guys have a similar feeling to that. I have that and feeling. Not, that's not my call. I'm just saying that's how it yeah. feels, you know? I feel that way because I think that Bryn Forbes uh, has not arrived fully yet. I think that uh, Bryn Forbes' arrival will make him a maybe all-NBA player, make third all-NBA player at some point because the dude can just flat-out shoot. I don't mm-hmm. see his benefits on the defensive end being that helpful. So it's not a liability to have him in the game because he can shoot pretty well. Um, but if he may never get in the game, if they're behind the suns, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. saw the dude make plays in the playoffs thus far. I mean, they may need need his offense, especially if, if we have a, you know, 60 to 80% Giannis, which we might, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think they're, they're going to need some offense. So should we get to predictions? All right. I already adjusted mine. I'm, uh, I I'm going Phoenix in seven. And I'm really mine. my reasoning is is very simple. It's because I do not think Chris Paul worked this hard to get to the finals to lose. Yeah. yeah. It's it's very difficult to disagree with that. And I'm talking about not just this season. I'm talking about his whole career. He's been yeah. close so many times and he finally is there. I do not think that he's going to let it happen. I think the Phoenix mm-hmm. is going to win. It would certainly be very heartbreaking for him for that to happen. However, the last time the Phoenix Suns were in the finals, a very similar situation happened. So, yeah. I, it's, I'm, sticking with, uh, I'm sticking with my original one, mostly because I'm proud of myself for picking Phoenix to get out of the West. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you nailed. You nailed that. That was <laughs> very right. something else. You, you got really it, nailed man. that. Um, yeah, so I, I'm going to stick with Phoenix in six. I will be very disappointed if this only goes six games. <laughs> <laughs> that is a huge letdown. I, I I feel confident in saying seven games, and I just <sighs> you know. I, I I can't. We have to have some diversity in this podcast, guys. So I have I have to go with Milwaukee in seven. I just have to. I, uh, I the reason that I say uh, in six is because of what we talked about about the unpredictability. I, I'm also predicting uh, just not that good a Giannis or maybe another Milwaukee injury. For whatever reason, that's just how I feel deep in my bones. Yep. I yeah, hope this it doesn't is, happen, but it could. <clears throat> this is the classic battle of the head versus the heart here. Yep. And I even say, you know, I feel a little shoehorned into pick my pick. Um, <laughs> and it really like that particular, like Phoenix in seven makes a whole lot of sense because game, it's going to go to seven mm-hmm. and they're going to have home court <sighs> advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, but Milwaukee if it goes to seven, that means they had to win. They were, they were, they had faced a closeout game at home in game six. And then mm-hmm. they had to come back 
after Chris Paul got pissed off for losing and faced them in Phoenix, (laughs) that will be very difficult. Tough. Yeah. It's very tough. I'm I'm going to stick with it. It's probably not going to end up being true, but hey, it might. I want to let all the listeners know uh, on this bracket that we have (laughs) the the thing you can see the most, which I'm proud of, is in the Western Conference. The conference least valuable player is Patrick Beverly. I have it bold <laughs> and red That's, highlighted. I <laughs> see it, and and I'm a fan of it. It's very very nice to look at. <laughs> wow, I'm encouraged, guys. I think I think the series is is going to be really good, especially you know evidenced by their head to head you know, mini series in the regular season. Those games were high offensive games. One of them went to overtime uh, decided by uh, less than a possession. I, I, if that's any indicator, I think we're, we're in for a show. I really do you guys. We got to do finals MVP predictions. I'm making the thingies right underneath here. Yep. For me, it's uh it's pretty obvious. I mean, I already kind of covered it. CP three. I, I think that Devin Booker, if Phoenix wins, Devin Booker will play very, very well, obviously. But I, I think it's going to be Chris Paul making all the plays in the fourth quarter like he usually I does. Don't, here's what I'm going to predict. I'm going to predict that Devin Booker has a better series, but CP3 gets his flowers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it's probably going to be the, real the, close, whatever happens, I bet. Yeah. The finals MVP to me isn't like it's. That is a uh, as Andre emotional as, has one. It's as an emotional of an award <laughs> as you can get. I don't really put yeah. a huge ton of stock in it. I, yeah. I, some people say like it's the mo- It's better than a regular season MVP. That's that's crap. No, 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 no. I don't believe that. You already have the championship. The championship is what's better than the regular season MVP. <laughs> the finals yeah. MVP is. Yeah. Is, well, if you look at it like this, if the Phoenix Suns mom. win the championship. And and Chris Paul does not win Finals MVP. He is not upset at all. <laughs> no, he is not a bit. A hundred percent fine with that. I don't see how he doesn't get it though. If they win, he's going to get it. Yeah. If Milwaukee wins, I I give an eighty percent chance to giving it to Giannis. But I see a scenario where Chris Middleton gets it. I could see that. He would have uh, you to know, have a pretty spectacular series, but he's capable. I truly believe the more that I watch this Milwaukee team, when they're really in charge and really winning, I really think it's Chris. Yeah. Well, that's that was, uh, I guess it was Charles Barkley who said it, you know. Um, yeah. Chris Middleton is the Batman on this team, and Giannis is the Robin, according to him. Yeah. It's weird it's to say take. it's weird to say that, um, but Giannis but like, is just I feel so. Like that's what the numbers say too. Like Giannis is you plan around Giannis because of the unstoppable force that he is, but Chris kills you. <laughs> yeah, Giannis is a a an intensely one dimensional player. Yeah, Chris Middleton has breadth, and yeah. he can kill you in several different ways. Yeah. So like Giannis may have the higher peak in terms of like the intensity of what he's capable of doing, but Chris has more opportunities to get to his peak. Well, what Victor always says, I think it's true. I mean, Chris Middleton can get you buckets. 
more so than Giannis can. I, think. I mean, in two of these games in this last series, he had over 20 points in a quarter. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. That is huge. End of the game. Who do you want shooting the free throws? Definitely Chris. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you almost don't want Giannis in the game. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Honestly, I, I would love it if, you know, during one of these games, if, if uh, Giannis goes to the free throw line and they're may, maybe even get, he gets fouled shooting a three. And there's like six seconds left and, and the bucks are down by two. I'd love it if he went to the line and just hit all three. Like that would be a very welcome sight for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he's trying <laughs> and I think he is going to rehab it in the off season and he needs to, but you know, well, he, I, I, he uh, to close out Brooklyn, he hit 13 to 17. So that's a, uh, he can, he can, it, it's possible. He's not Ben Simmons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean, he'll go and shoot him with confidence, even if he misses him, you know? Yep. Yep. Woo. Oh, it's going to be good. Boy. And so again, the most important thing is I, the result will not make me mad because I like both these teams. Both so these he, teams he, are, are filled with players that I, that I like. Here's where we are at on our little tally competition here, guys. Okay. Oh, it's, yeah. It's kind of a, a tough thing because given where, where our picks are, Victor you have been mathematically eliminated from winning. I have been. Um, it's okay. Cause I have the consolation prize. Of You've got the, the whole teams. West. Yeah. You, <laughs> yeah. you nailed that. And that was better than, yeah. um, yep. well, Jeremy, you called Milwaukee as well, but yeah, I did I not get either of my teams. The only way that I can win is if it's Milwaukee and seven, <laughs> because <laughs> that pretty much blows you guys out of the water. So it's, I'm either all in or I'm all out. Oof. What could if happen. we... Okay, we'll to, here's what I'll do. Well, no, I'm you can make also, it interesting. I also thought you could give... You, we give a point for a finals MVP, but because you guys are choosing the same one... That's, that's what I was going to say. I'm no going to change it. it. I'm going to change it and make it interesting. And you going book? You yeah. going book? There we go. There we go. All right. All right. You have a, a potential chance now. Yep. <laughs> also, Victor, let me, let me give you credit. I think I have before on our... our or a text thread, but Devin Booker was always in the category in my mind of like, he's a good player, but he's, he's, he's fine. He's not great. Uh, he, he's a great player. I mean, I'll go ahead and give <laughs> Devin Booker credit. Maybe it's too late, but, uh, no, no, but yeah. no, it's, uh, it, it, just like many teams, Atlanta included, they just did not get the TV presence. There's no way to know unless you were like adequately following. Like I, when I saw the clips, I'd be like, this dude is wild. And then in the bubble, I was like, this dude is insane. Yeah. He's got I mean, you. You've been up on him, him for a yeah. couple of years. Really? I yeah. Mean, you, yeah. You, you've been riding He's, the book train mm-hmm. and you were I'd right like to see her succeed. By the way, also Trey Young was in that category for me too. I mean, maybe yeah, I'm just going yeah. off his his oh, rookie no, no. season. That but was yeah, the, he was for me too. Yeah, I I thought he was overrated until this season. I'm not gonna lie to everybody. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's he's the guy for the Hawks. I mean he he is the guy going forward. Um, so that's, I would that's like cool. to give this podcast credit for yeah. looking at the 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 layout of the league and saying, Hmm, I wonder what would happen if Chris Paul went to Phoenix. That's right. I bet they <laughs> yeah. would be really good. 
we <laughs> we did it. We got to find yeah. that episode. We we got to find it. It would take some time, but and we I, can know, I know when it, it would be. We can re- it just like retag it on social media <laughs> whenever Phoenix yeah. wins the championship. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I mean, it, it's got to be one of those episodes, and there weren't that many between when the bubble ended and when the season started. Yeah. It. I bet you there's like four or five episodes in there. That's probably about mm-hmm. it. Yep. Got to find it. What, Maybe I'll make. What that can we bit. say? What can we say? We're we're a prediction podcast now. So <laughs> that's right. <laughs> That's <laughs> <laughs> Woo, great discussion, what fellas. If, Anything what if else? That's what we did. No, I want to do it. It's a spinoff. We don't explain any of the predictions. We just only predict things. That's what like <laughs> that's what tweets are like. Like that tweet that you're just talking about, right? He he's just, just like, like yep. you just call you just said it. <laughs> well, hey, it might be it might be right. I mean, in a, in exactly. a, that's kind of what people who bet do. Yeah, it's true. Which makes me want to go watch rewatch uh, uncut gems. Oof. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that would be a good one to watch, like right before the game seven of the finals, to just yeah. be already emotionally exhausted before yeah. pre pre <laughs> pre game my anxiety. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> All right, guys. Any closing thoughts before we end our program for today? Uh, uh you know, today's a day that is a day. That everyone else yeah. is, has a day that's important, but this, I'm not really this is coming concerned. out tomorrow, though. It's coming out tomorrow, though. Uh, I'm the happiest. Hey, listen, everybody. These all these finals games are on ABC. Most of them are at 8 p.m. One of them is at seven. Watch them. Show mm-hmm. show show these markets that their sports are amazing because this is going to be a good finals. Even if it is somehow a sweep, every game will be interesting. Guaranteed. Yep. Definitely. Here's a question for you as we go. Where where uh, on your hate ometer does Mark Jackson end up after this series compared <laughs> to where he is right now? Does he go up or I, go down? Man, he can't go much farther up than than he is right now. Uh he's not to Patrick Beverly levels. He doesn't obviously. have a, he doesn't have as uh evil of a core to mouthpiece at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If he yeah. started saying a whole bunch of stuff about Jay Crowder, that would it would be bad, but it's not as bad as what he did with Patrick Beverly. So yeah. my my beef with Mark Jackson is I often think that he is biased and he's often biased towards the team that I am rooting against, like the Warriors four seasons ago, or like the Clippers. And also he's just a grump. Dude, have fun at your job. You get to call basketball games. All all he does is like talk about like he's gotta be better. That's a poor job. He's just a grump. Like Cheer up, Mark Jackson. It's fine. <laughs> this millionaire's got to fix his life. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It, to me, he's just it, just an old fuddy duddy. You know, it's just like I want right, to see for- Jeff Van Gundy in the halftime shows. I want ESPN to fix their halftime shows and be fun and interesting, um, <laughs> and informative and longer than four minutes long. Uh, and yeah, I want Steph, are- I want Jeff Van Gundy to be in there. They're completely irrelevant halftime shows. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not saying Mark, it has to be near as good as the TNT guys. I just want it to be kind of interesting. Yeah. I'd, I'd be for that. <laughs> I don't mind uh, Van Gundy. I mean, he's fine. I don't mind listening to him. Yeah. But, uh, he makes yeah, me giggle. 
Yeah, he's, Mark Jackson. He's, he's the only away. one uh, that can even try to begin to keep up with Mike Breen in that trio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He actually says things that are good and like knowledgeable and interesting and that aren't just, uh, you know, re- hitting rewind on the tape and hitting play again. Mark Jackson yeah. hasn't said anything novel in like 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Van Gundy often finds uh, things that you wouldn't think about. Like he notices them and he brings them up and he gets you thinking about them. And it's like, Oh, okay. Now, now I, it kind of piqued my interest even more than it was before. So I can appreciate that. He, he's also him. just a better comedian because he's, <laughs> he's complete. He's completely willing to take the joke on himself. Mark yep. Jackson doesn't do that. Mark Jackson no. has Shaq syndrome. <laughs> you can't make fun of him. And he can, certainly can't make fun of himself. <laughs> yeah. All right. I really just one more thing about Mark Jackson since we're complaining about him. <laughs> I I I understand the dude was was a good competitor, you know, and he played in the NBA a lot of years, mostly with one team, if I'm not mistaken, with the Pacers, Did which it? which I can totally oh. respect that. He played with yeah, the Knicks. Knicks years. Knicks, Knicks. Because he was he was under Jeff Angoni in New York. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um I, I get that, you know, and he, he was a good player in the league at Hall of Famer. I assume he probably is all that, but I, I don't know when he that. gets so critical about like individual players and the way they're playing the game. And he talks about, you can't do that if you want to win a championship and blah, 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 blah. I'm just like, Mark, Mark, dude, did you ever win a championship? No, shut up. Like, why can't you just be positive? You know, he is not a Hall of Famer and he should not be a Hall of Famer. Really? He's a one-time all-star. He won the assist uh, championship one time. He was the rookie of the year and he was all rookie. That's it. And he, he played, he might played get in for, because of his announcing, you know, maybe he, he played, played for, for eight, 10 teams, nine eight. teams, nine teams. Oh, that, I, was, this show's I think eight, I must've been thinking he played with the Reggie Miller. Twice. Oh yeah. Next yeah. twice. Yeah. So it looks like he played for seven teams total. Well, no wait. Mm. Yeah. Seven. That is maybe I was thinking of a uh, Reggie Miller. Cause he, he did spend his entire Yes. career with one team and he played you know, for the, Indiana as time goes on the more and more I respect that honestly like I hope maybe a hot take I hope that Damian Lillard plays for the Trailblazers his whole career because then when he retires I can be like okay respect dude you know yeah that's why I want him to go somewhere else so I don't have to give in to the respect <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather him just stay in Portland and not not win anything you know than go somewhere oh. else and team up with someone and win I, it's we, my absolute last thing. Uh, shouts out to Marv Albert and thanks for all of the. That's right. Yeah. All 900 years of commentating on sports. I really <laughs> appreciate just, he's great. He, he's been the voice. I've, I've, huh, between him and Mike Breen and Kevin Harlan, every call of any basketball game is one of those voices in my head. So. Mm hmm. There's a few of those uh, old '80s Celtics things that have uh, what's his name. I don't. I don't actually don't know the guy's name that made the call, but he always liked the one that were Bird steals the ball. Bird steals the ball. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those, yeah. those are some. A, but in general, yeah, Marv Jackson is the guy. Marv Jackson and Marv Jackson. I I did that like eight <laughs> times yesterday, and yeah, I still yeah. am doing it. I can't stop. I can't stop. <laughs> I, don't, I I don't know what it is. Marv, Marv Albert. Albert. 
Yeah. God. Herb I'm Albert and the Tijuana Brass. <laughs> 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 yeah. All right. We can probably end the episode now, don't you think? Uh, <laughs> no, let's just, you know, I feel my second win. What do we got? Let's keep going. <laughs> no. let's, uh, let's talk about Mark Jackson for another 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Real uh, adult. That's hate. right. Real adult hate. <laughs> and with that, thanks so much, everyone, for listening to Thunder Moneyball Podcast. Follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram at podcast underscore thunder. Enjoy these finals games, guys, as I will, and enjoy your life. Magnitude. Goodbye. Pop, pop.